Hey everyone, and welcome to The Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Perlosky. Hey listeners, how we doing? Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503 558 6349 or slash portland On this episode of the podcast, we welcome Xander Almeida. Hello, happy to be back. Xander is a friend of the pod, has been on a number of times. Appreciate you coming back. Uh, and the topic of this podcast is the state of the state. We are going to take a look at 2022, reflect on 2021. We have a list of topics to go over. And uh, hopefully we will get through more than just talking about COVID for 45 minutes. Fingers so, crossed. We'll see. We will see. The state, for the record, is Oregon. Yes. So let's just talk about Oregon and, and uh, see where we go. So do we want to start with COVID or do we want to... Let's just get it out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. let's, I was gonna say, let's okay. just pull the trigger. So obviously we are going... Very close to two full years of COVID restrictions. Happy you know, Anniv. Anniversary two two months from now. Yes, yeah, first uh, pod of the year. So we're, this is why we're we're reflecting. Um, March will be two years, and of course, we're not dealing with the the lockdowns that we had at the very beginning. But we still are one of the few states that requires masks. Um, we're there's still a whole bunch of controversy over vaccines, and. I don't know. What do you guys think? Are we going to continue this into 2022 or are we going to finally realize that this is a pandemic and you can't control it through government action and to try is uh, is a fool's errand? So I think short answer. Yeah, this you can is going to where my stance yeah, is. <laughs> this, this is going to continue into 2022. And, and I feel like it's we've kind of had two things that haven't happened at the same time yet in the last two years. That are about to happen at the same time. We've had a lot of shutdowns of businesses. We've had a lot of workers leaving the industry. We've had that whole wave. And then we've also had the wave of why well, that was that was the two things I should we should start. <laughs> if you get to do what I get to do, we should be able to go back and start again. But that was the two things. We had people getting sick and we had businesses shutting down. And but the two of them never really happened at the same time. Now we have this massive even though Omicron is like. Not to be, you know, the MAGA Trumpy COVID denying person from two years ago, but Omicron is a head cold. It, it, All it, it is is a head cold. It is considerably less deadly than the other variants. And it's yes. one of those things where in a lot of respects, I think people should kind of be playing through it. And like, let's not have pox parties like we did 50 years ago. But like, if you have coronavirus, if you have a head cold, do the smart thing and stay home. Get yourself chicken noodle soup. Get yourself Sprite. Don't go to a hospital for it. Don't need to suck up all the, you know, 50 million tests and test yourself every day or whatever. But you just manage it like you would a normal head cold and just keep away from people and just don't give it to as many people as you can. So we're, we're about to have a massive case. Spike. We already are at the last week, two weeks in the middle of a massive case spike. 
And we have worker shortages to begin with. And so I like, I see it every day at work. I'm sure we've all seen it every day. Restaurants mm-hmm. in Portland have been closed. Bars Everybody's have been closed. Everybody's got people are going back to takeout. Signs. Yeah. New bonuses for people. Come on as a line cook. We'll give you a thousand dollars. You know, I would. So I, I think to, to, to short a long answer. Yeah. It, it's going to continue into 2022. And it's going to affect all types of industries. Obviously the service industry most prevalent, but I, my wife is a teacher and I'm sure we'll get into like unions and PPS and whatever, <laughs> but I, there really, there is a fatigue for teachers and it's not just we're trying to get to remote. We're trying to stay out of the classroom. Like there's people quitting the industry. And at, at the end of the day, if you don't have teachers, it doesn't matter whether you're online or in the classroom. If you don't have the teachers in the first place, like that's kind of a massive problem so it's it's yeah. endemic everywhere the pandemic is endemic xander you've got look like you want to say something uh, i always look like i want to say something it's just kind of the nature of my face <laughs> <laughs> you, you twirl the mustache you got your you got your, you got your notes up there perfect like for of my notes <laughs> so <clears throat> the issue i have with governor brown in particular during this entire covid thing you only have one issue I have a number of issues. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I'm going to preface this with saying I think the only person at the table that has actually lost a loved one to COVID mm-hmm. is, you know, the Democrats the entire time during this entire pandemic have gone and played the part of we are the, we are the party of science. We're the party of reason. Mm-hmm. We are the party that goes and looks at the facts and make decisions from there, unlike the Republicans. And the irony of all of this is that Governor Brown the entire time has just consistently changed the goalposts as to when things should reopen, when they have to shut down again based upon certain numbers. And considering the fact that we are right now at the highest point of COVID positive tests in the entire almost two years we've gone through this now, mm-hmm. she's not talking about shutting things down again. She's not talking about closing down all these industries again. Credit where credit is due. Yeah. However... Like, we're at four or five times the amount last uh, November of 2020 when she shut things down again. When she said, if certain numbers are this high, we can't have things open again. She's not talking about that anymore. So, either she's playing politics or she's following the science. And it can't be both. It can (laughs) never be both. So, one of the things... Uh, Xander and I before this had a, a quick drink at, at the bar, and one oh, of the geez, one of the, for the invite guys. You were Come working. Uh, this was at four thirty in the afternoon. Oh, I was not so. working at four thirty. <laughs> oh boy, did I punch out right then. <laughs> anyway, um, one of the comments I keep making is I am really looking forward to the the point where we can stop pretending that wearing a mask from the door to the table or from the door to the bar makes a difference when you sit there for 45 minutes with your mask off having a drink. Like the 45 minutes that you sit there is way more impactful than the 18 seconds that it takes to walk from the door to the bar. Um, And so the reason for that, and so it just kind of, you know, bear bear with me for a second. Well, it's it's theater, but it's also cost and it's cost and benefit. So if you were to say like the Democrats do that, we're all about health. We're all about health safety. This is the most important. Only thing we're concerned about right now is saving lives. Why are restaurants even open in the first place? I'll tell you why. Because the benefit, the benefit of having, because you you would have to shut down an entire industry and again, like the yeah, right for the second the, time, the, no, the third time, or the yeah, however the, many, the as someone in the industry, the third time, yeah, the jobs lost, the businesses closed. All of the economic um, destruction that would take place if we shut down the service industry is not worth the cost of 
having saving lives. So what we do, sorry, I know you have a question, but I'm going to continue because I have a point. <laughs> we, we have a, a podcast. This is what we do. <laughs> <laughs> and we, um, we, the, the, they, there was a cost benefit analysis done at some point that says the cost of shutting down an entire industry is worth the benefit in saved lives of n- allowing the spread. Because if you're sitting saved there. Saved lives from coronavirus. From, from coronavirus. Yeah. But if, because if you're sitting there for 45 minutes having a drink, you are spreading. You are, you are getting, breathing other people's air. They are breathing your air. The virus is spreading through restaurants. And if you, as a proxy for the virus spread, it is lives lost. So, what we're really doing is we're trading lives lost for economic benefit and keeping the service industry open. And I don't think that the governor should be making that decision of which industries are allowed to spread the virus and which industries are allowed to kill people in exchange for staying open. I think it's much more the people who should make that decision are you and me and our listeners. If you are afraid of coronavirus, if you are afraid of coronavirus, you can stay home and you can make that decision for yourself. The governor should not be deciding that a particular industry is allowed to spread the virus and kill people in exchange for staying open. The one thing I will say about the service industry, being a person in the service industry for the last, I don't know, 15 years of my life, but particularly with the coronavirus uh, epi- uh, pandemic that we're facing currently, even according to the Oregon Health Authority, the vast majority of COVID-related illnesses and deaths were not from service industry. Mm. It uh, It is a ultra-minority amount of spread and death Hmm. the vast majority came from nursing homes okay from churches and from private gatherings and from schools i am fairly certain i got covid from church just (laughs) case in point and the the last stat that i read from the oregon health authority was it was 0.75 percent of covid spread through service industry Hmm. so less than one percent and between churches, nursing homes, and private gatherings and schools, that was like the other 80%. Mm-hmm. And so, again, if you follow science, that should mean you should shut down churches, schools, private events, and have a complete lockdown on nursing homes, also prisons as well. It's a big thing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And they did none of that, which means, again, you're not following science. You are following politics. Well, what they're doing and is they're, they're, they're having schools, this cost-benefit but- analysis, but they're not sharing that. What they're telling everybody is that we're following the science. And the reality is they're having a cost-benefit analysis, which is, I mean, to their credit, what they should the right be doing. Thing to do. The right thing to do. You should have you should have these conversations of what are the costs of, of making these decisions. But they're not telling people that. They're telling people it's about the science. They're telling people it's about saving lives. And it's, it's not. It's about politics and about, you know, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It's about politics. Well, conclusion yeah. on coronavirus. Okay. At least if you're a Democrat. <laughs> Good so, talk. <laughs> Good segue to something different. I was going to say, because I know we got... That was that was only got, ten minutes. That was only ten minutes. We're, we're good. I know. I'm saying we're, we're gonna, we, we've we're got gonna a politics topic. I was trying to be smooth, right? So, uh, uh, I, I, I don't think we've ever come up with hand signals for this particular show, but like 
when I do this, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean I want to interrupt you. This means I have a point to make after you're done. Right. Well, I had like five more minutes to talk, so that's why <laughs> I wanted to be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Jimbo <laughs> was on one on that one. I know. You were on the war path. And you're going cool. to be raising your hand for a long time because I had something to say. <laughs> okay. Right. But okay. Topic anyway, number two. Topic for number state two. of the state. Let's... uh Red wave. Red you wave. You think a red wave is going to come hit Portland's? It hit. Well, probably not Portland. Yeah, is it going to yeah. hit Oregon? That's a quick segment. <laughs> is it going to hit Oregon? Uh, in what ways do you think it does? If it does or or doesn't? So I uh, perennially or whatever quadrennially, I guess would be the may, maybe more appropriate term. Optimistic that that yes, there will be a red. Wave. I mean, I worked for the guy who was running for governor in 2018. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have done that if I thought there was a zero percent chance he was going to win. I I think that from a national standpoint, 2022 is is going to be bad for Democrats. Mm-hmm. Uh, the they control all three levers of Congress or uh, all three levers of of power at the uh, right. at the yep. federal level. They've got nothing to show for it. They build back better was going to be Joe Biden's signature piece of legislation. That's not even going to get through because Joe Manchin can't get on board as, as for the despite the fact that he basically wrote the bill. The president is at historically low levels of popularity. I bordering along the lines of where Trump was and people hated Trump. Nobody actually knows anything about Joe Biden because they don't talk about him 24 hours a day on CNN like they did with Donald Trump, but everybody just knows he's kind of doing a bad job. And uh, people... You, you politics aside, people walk outside and they see what's going on and they're like, it, it, it's time for a change. And I, I think you're right, probably not in Portland specifically, but in the tri-county area here, you know, Portland metro area uh, the, for the state across as a whole, there's just a whole lot of stuff that just is not working and people are sick and tired of it. And I, I think there's I, I think there's a chance at least that enough of those folks wake up and say, you know, I, I'm not really... Republican. I'm not really a Trump person or whatever, but that person's been doing this for 20 years and that person's saying, I want to come in and try it a little differently and I want to try it a little differently. So I'm going to vote for that person. My thought on that is, you know, you have people like James Ball III over here, a phenomenal person who's running for Uh Metro. Metro. Yep. Yeah. And I think when people hear someone like his message, I think that you can have that kind of conversion that you're talking about, Nick, in which they realize for 20, 30 years, we've been following this person. They have not done a great job. They've only let us down. And here's a rational Republican who is running over here. <laughs> Drink. I'm Drink. running as a nonpartisan, though. So I know. I don't I'm just to, saying. I don't have to fly the R flag. You, they'll find it out. You have a podcast. Well, I do have a podcast <laughs> with the name. Yeah. But can't hide from it. The, the, the problem is that still what I've seen in the county Republican Party and the state Republican Party is most of them are still kind of kowtowing to the Trump message of politics. Mm-hmm. And you are not going to win in this state, by and large, in places that are not already Republican strongholds, with that message and with that attitude, because there are so many people that are adverse to that type of politics, adverse to a lot of its policies. And I see continuously in the ORP and the MCRP that they still grasp those and hold on to those as a way of winning. And you're not going to do that statewide in any meaningful way if you keep on that type of messaging that's i for the uninitiated the oregon republican party and the multnomah county republican party show up for a meeting if you ever want a real good time it's a rocking good time uh but i i will point you to one glenn youngkin 
I, I think that Virginia is a pretty decent comp for Oregon. I think there's one real major city and a couple of other semi somewhat large medium ish urban areas and there's a lot of rural parts of the state and there's a dc type of republican that's somebody like me and there's a you know roanoke type of republican who's somebody who's shows up to a maga rally and brags to his friend friend about the fact that he's not vaccinated and i think Oregon has Oregon a Oregon is not Virginia, my friend. I well, I as the I probably only are. person in the room who's lived in both states, I feel like it's at least a decent comp. I feel like there's enough of a similarity where we can say we have to balance an a very large urban area that's not going super well and a big part of the state that's pretty rural and there's Portland Republicans like James and me and there's and me, I'm right here. I and and Xander <laughs> and Xander and Xander there we go and rural Republicans who are a lot more you know how dare you say anything bad about Donald Trump and he's the guy that won for us in 2016 and you know don't change horses in the middle of the race despite the fact that he already did lose which is yeah we don't right. need to get into that but I, I do feel like if you are a good candidate and more importantly if you have a good message if you can communicate a good message you can talk about why as a Republican, you can come in and solve some of the problems that we're facing. And why, as a Democrat, that person can't? And yes, even though our party nominated and elected Donald Trump, and yes, our party stormed the Capitol a year and <laughs> what four, <laughs> days and four days ago. And I, I know all of these DC things. Or Salem because they were we did it twice. Uh, our wow. party stormed the Capitals. Yeah, right. Both of them. I do believe that there is a candidate that can put that out if you're good at what you're doing. If you're a Democrat, all you just kind of have to do is not screw up but if you're a bad democrat if you're tina kotek and you get the nomination for governor who's this horribly liberal person versus a sane competent r i think it's a race one of the things that i bring up frequently i'm sure i've brought it up in this podcast before is that there are a good portion of democrats who in portland democrats who do not trust republicans that they see with Xander, Xander and I, we need to stop talking before the podcast because we end up talking about all the good things. Anyway, the, um, the legitimate rape comments, the now Texas abortion law, the Mississippi abortion law, grab them by the pussy. You know, these are the things there that goes are not explicit. I, I'll, I'll check the box on this one. That it's <laughs> an exact quote, though. It's an exact quote from I'm the president of the United States. He, well, A, he wasn't the president at the time. Well, and B, sure. it's still, an expletive, which okay. I, I will, I, I will check the box on this one to say that it's explicit. Right. I apologize, viewers, if you have young children listening. If you're to this offended podcast. by something that the president actually ended up saying. <laughs> anyway, they see those sort of things and they say, you know, as bad as, as Kotek and Brown and Wheeler are running the city into the ground, running the state into the ground, as bad as they're doing, at least they're not taking away our right to choose. At least they're not making these crazy statements. And you know what? If, if maybe the Republicans could do better, maybe they can't, but I know for a fact that they are going to take away the woman's right to choose if they are elected. 
And that's what a lot of Repub- or a lot of Democrats in Portland feel, and they will not never vote for a Republican as long as that is the case. You just said the magic words right there. What's you that? are you are exactly right. That's how a lot of Democrats feel. You don't need a lot of Democrats to change your mind. You need a few Democrats to change their mind. There are there's very there's very blue districts. You're never gonna get if you run against Earl Blumenauer. You're never gonna beat him in a race for Congress. I, I there's very blue districts. If you find a marginal race. If if you find a 55-45 seat or something, you, if you have a few Democrats change their mind, and that like you're not talking to, this is what got Mitt Romney into trouble. He said 47% of people have their minds made up on one side or the other. And he, I mean, as yeah. much trouble he's got into, he's exactly right for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- that's all you need. If there's 3% of Democrats whose minds you can change, that can be the ball game in certain races. I'm just going to say Oregon right to life is ruining this party. Uh, Fight me. <laughs> I, I just choose not to do that for several reasons, <laughs> well, but not the least of which because you're right. That's we we need to stop talking about abortion. We need to stop talking about abortion in Oregon. It is a losing battle. Like the the conservative stance on abortion is not like the the last time we had a ballot initiative with anything regarding abortion was basically the Hyde Amendment that we would not use state funds to pay for abortion. There was no there's no further restrictions, just that we wouldn't use state funds, and it lost like two to one. There, there is no – nobody in Oregon wants to restrict abortion at all. And if that is the number one thing that we're working on, then we're we're going to keep losing. Oregon so. has the most liberal abortion laws in the United States. And there's Basically no way, unrestricted, yeah. And there's no way that's going to change because the vast majority of people want it that way. And if that's the hill that you want to go and put everything uh, upon, then it's just going to continue to lose. And – that's what turns a vast majority of people off from this party yeah. is that issue continuously. It's settled that in we, the state. We need to it's just settled in the state. On. Like, I want to I, something else. I, I am sorry if that is the number one, like if you're one issue voter and listening to this and that's like abortion is your issue, but in the state of Oregon is not going to change. We need to focus on areas where we can make a difference. Abortion is not one of them. It's anecdotal. And I know that I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but one of my wife's friends, was a pro-choice Democrat and in 2018 was like, I, you know, iffy on, on Newt versus Kate. And she was just like, I, I feel like I would consider voting for Newt, but I, I just, I just can't do it because it's going to take away a woman's right to choose. And I like, he's had all these ads about how mm-hmm. pro-choice he is and he over the counter birth control and all this, like all this stuff. But Kate Brown came up and was just like, Newt doesn't know what he thinks about abortion. And that's enough for a lot of people. And it's just like, yep, yeah. that's a, it's a, it's an uphill Sisyphusian battle. And that's what you as a, I mean, you're not running as a Republican, but like, that's yeah. what any Republican candidate has well, to deal with. And that's that, hard. Being a little self-serving here, you know, that's one of the reasons that I like this metro race is because Washington County, this district is basically that 55-45 that you're talking about. And with the Glenn Youngkin effect, that the basically pushes that to 50-50. And I think that especially that it's, it's a very suburban district that I'm running in, I don't have to talk about abortion because Metro has no say over abortion. It has no say over gay rights. Like th- those issues, like, I probably have to talk about them at some point, but like there is no, there's no jurisdiction over those sorts of things from Metro. And when you're looking at a 55, 45 district, like you said, you only need to keep, you only need to convince a few people. And 
I think with the national effects and the fact that things like schools and public safety are on the ballot and Trump is not, I think that you, the, subur- the suburbs are going to um, take, a, take a little step to the right uh, from where they were two hey, years ago. From your mouth so, to God's ears, as our friend and podcast friend Jeff Goodman would say. This is uh, this, this Metro Race is winnable. So, there you ladies go. and gentlemen, if you're listening and you'd like to go to jamesaball.com. Jamesaball.com. And, donate. Uh, and, $50 uh, tax credit. Donate. This is actually where the podcast is being hosted now. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you, Two and one. You go. Okay. All right. Topic number three. What we got? Okay. Let's see. Uh, let's do public safety. Or, or the lack thereof. Or lack thereof. <laughs> Portland has <laughs> seen more oh. shootings and more homicides. Than I have. I have a great story about this. Actually, go ahead. So I and can I as you as I am telling my story? Can I bug you for a, a quick favor? So so my story about this is, and I can I will steal one of the glasses. Yeah, too. I got it. You might as well get one for me too if you're up. <laughs> Since it's there, this is good. This is going to make for if great you're listening audio. on the podcast and not YouTube, you have no idea what's going on right now. And I apologize. Xander and I have have finished our beers and we're now pouring ourselves a glass of whiskey. James was smart and he had the he had his whiskey before before poured before we started, but. Xander and I are just not that. Actually, it's it's mostly just me. I'm just not that good of a host, so I'll blame myself for that one. <laughs> I mean, you probably have a liter of a liter. A liter. Do we say liter of cola? <laughs> no, this is a liter of. Uh, it's one point five, but who's counting? Oh, it's a one point yeah, five liters. Of yeah, Knob Creek. So this is gonna be a good rye whiskey. Anyway, my story about public safety is is kids. thus. I uh, I work out of a bank branch, and we walked in today, and I there there was a, a window that had been shattered open, and there were protective bars out outside of it that had been yanked off. The hole was small enough. It was the size of, as my friend put it, a large cantaloupe. It was not something that a person could have crawled through. We we didn't get, to my knowledge, at least we didn't get robbed or anything like that. I, somebody was just mad and hucked a rock at us or something like that. Mm-hmm. But we we called our internal people that you call when something like this happens. And they said, one of the things you need to do is file a police report. Okay, no problem. Uh, my buddy waited on the phone for over an hour mm. getting through to the Portland Police Department and the the recording kept saying don't dial 911 911 is for life and death emergencies or property that's being stolen at this very moment do not dial 911 and it's still it took an hour and it's mm-hmm. like god forbid what if you were in that situation where there's imminent threat to your body or your property and some you need somebody in the in the next you know 90 seconds 5 minutes however whatever response time is and and i don't at all fault portland police for this i they're some people do so that i, I mean we can talk about that in a minute but they're doing the best they can with what they got they're choosing what and what not to respond to and it's just a, it's a whole thing into in and of itself and the, and we'll get to a point where we talk about the ever increasing amount of homeless camps we've obviously there's been by an order of one and a half times magnitude there's been more homicides in the year 2021 than any other year in portland mm-hmm. history this despite all kinds predominantly of predominantly black like well, the, and, the victims are people of color and and this is the thing predominantly. it's it, it, yeah. that that's exactly right and i portland is failing those whom it most purports to serve everybody mm-hmm. in the county everybody in the city trips over themselves talking mm-hmm. about equity and you know we need to make things better for east county and for you know all these underserved areas and that we pass bond measures and increase taxes mm-hmm. and over and over and over again and this is the result that we have to show for it and it's just it's either uh just 
this endemic thing that nothing can be done about or Portland leaders are incompetent. And I either either way, that's a it's a poison pill to swallow. But mm-hmm. my, my personal opinion is that Portland leaders are incompetent. Xander's stretching. Xander's got notes. I have He's, whiskey. Xander has notes. <laughs> I have both, actually. Which of the three of us was prepared for this? Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, James, if you want to go talk on this first, I'm going to go on a rant. So Go for want, it. Please okay. do. This is why we have a podcast. This is why okay. we're here. So, Portland Police Bureau is down over like 150 cops right now, according to the chief of police that's part of it there were a lot of early retirements and just resignations after the protests of the summer of 2020 well i mean can you blame them i mean it was the, um, cha- the city spent a year chanting all cops are bastards we're already at the point i was i wasn't gonna I can, say it i, I wasn't gonna say, say it um that is the chant though so that's let's yeah again we're we're quoting verbatim it's not like we're cursing on this podcast we're quoting verbatim and I mean, again, I, I think as the person that was down there in, in the streets most in 2020 in the summer, uh, I can speak to... Xander was on the on uh, Rolling Stone, right? Uh, I was or, in Rolling Stone. Uh, the Got to shout out your, uh, your I, I media was in a couple papers. I was in a couple papers. Couple Rolling papers Stone, I was quoted in, in addition to... Where was the photo taken? Was it local or was it K2 or... Uh, I had one... A photo uh, of you with American flag. Uh, that, that was Washington Post, actually. Washington Post, And also yeah. LA Times. Nas- there you go. National and media. Street Roots. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. Go ahead with your Solid rant. get. We're just, we're just, we're just, I'm just, I'm establishing your credibility as uh, I hope that I was someone bragging that on our were, buddy. And, and I'll also go in and preface this as the reason that I got a lot of media attention for my personal presence down there at the protests in the summer of 2020 was being an American flag bearing Republican, Mexican-American, also standing up with BLM. Like that's mm-hmm. basically what the whole thing was. And I was an oddity out there for flying the flag and also uh, being a open member of the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. So let's. Put that out there first. That's why I got a lot of attention. Anyways, uh, I got tear gas about 20, 30 times for doing nothing but waving an American flag tear in gas the streets. Sucks. Tear gas oh, sucks. Yeah, not fun. Um, and my issue, okay, so with Portland Police in particular, I think they're kind of a disingenuous actor as far as their ability to get along with certain communities. The vast majority of them don't live in Portland, so they don't think they have a lot of skin in the game personally. Uh, they have gotten in so many scandals lately that just prove that they're kind of disingenuous actors as far as being Joanne part Hardesty of the thing. Yeah, I was going to say the Hardesty thing. The the Hardesty thing, which was basically what was almost described as a internal coup against her to try to get her just out of office. She so, she was she was accused of a hit and run. They leaked it to the press, and then they not just sat they, on it. The the president the, of the Portland Police Association, the Police. their right. union leaked it. Two other officers leaked it, and then they waited until two o'clock in the morning to go knock on her door, bang on her door. Of, three hours later, of uh, of a perp walk out the yeah. So, it, not not a good look for PPD. not a good look. Much as I no. don't like Joanne Hardesty, not a good look. I don't think anyone on the podcast cares much for Joanne mm-hmm. Hardesty, but. To be the first black woman on the city council and to have the police just continuously harass her, leak documents to try to defame her. Again, this is why people have issues with Portland police. Right. 
And that's not accounting to uh, Captain Mark Kruger, if we know about this guy. Nope, nope. Oh, boy. Um, in the early 2000s, uh, Mark Kruger, a Portland police officer, was found to have put up memorial signs to Nazis in a Portland public park. Mm. Two of whom were tried at Nuremberg. They put up these memorials with a couple of his other cop friends while wearing SS uniforms. Mm. Again, not great, right? No, I, I will. Not great. Yeah. Um, he was disciplined and then the Portland Union, the police union went to go and bat for him. So they had to apologize to him. They had to go and give back all of his back pay that he was stripped of. And he ended up uh, retiring as the highest paid city employee. Hmm. Last year, or not last year anymore, in in, uh, in like May of, or June of 2020, with over $265,000 a year in his annual salary. And when he was disciplined, the police had to then go and apologize to him for disciplining him for being pro-Nazi. So I think it's interesting that in 2022, 2021, the, the liberal, you know... Portland's general philosophy is, you know, the the Portland uh, the peop the 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 police union is is at fault here. Uh, mm -hmm. That they are a huge problem and they're they looking out for people. And I don't disagree with that. I I wonder how long it takes before they take that same criticism and look at other public employee unions and see that you know it's it's maybe not quite to the to the extent as the as the PPD, but they're still looking like the fact that you can't discipline a police officer is because of the of the union. You can't do that to a teacher. You can't do that to a public employee for the same reason because the union has their back. And uh, I wonder at I wonder at what point do we do we start looking at all public employee unions in that same critical light? I would argue that the Portland Police Association should be judged in a different light because, A, they are the model that every other police union in this country uses because the Portland Police Association was the very first one to actually establish a prominent police union and be successful with it. Did not know that. Oh, yeah. So they started it. And also, again, Usually with a teacher or, I don't know, a union-contracted plumber for the city, they're not in the ability to kill people and get away with it. Fair. So there is Fair a point. much higher bar of responsibility for the Portland Police Association and the Portland Police Bureau than it is for other unions involved in city government. So I understand your point, James. I think that we should all have a critical look at this, but also know that Essentially, the there, Portland Police there, Bureau has the ability to kind of kill on sight and mostly get away with it, even when they're at fault, even to, to the a, point in which you have the highest paid city employee sympathizing with Nazis and then getting a pat on the back and a sorry, we, we disciplined you kind of note on top of it. Tend to agree point. with Xander on that one. I <laughs> no, I like I, to I'm dunk not, on I'm not dis I'm not disagreeing. OEA and I'm not, stuff, but I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying shoot anybody. Well, no, you're right. the 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 consequences <laughs> are the consequences are are less drastic. That but the they same are. thing happens where you cannot fire anybody. But I I agree. I very much agree like, with the sentiment, and it's it's endemic in a lot of different things. And I, uh, there's a number of like uh, Portland service workers that are as of today they've declared that they're 
going to look at going on strike on the 20th and i now we look at sewage things and water services and i and whatever and it's just like this is stuff that has to work like Mm -hmm. you guys have to be able to figure this stuff out and if if you have bad apples in you and i know like we've had the bad apple conversation on the bad apples in the police are much worse than bad apples in the teachers union i I, they are fully on board here and they are saying but i but i agree with you that we need to be able to kind of weed out the problems in our own camp i mean you and i uh, we have a whole podcast where we talk about bad republicans i literally every time we find someone just like oh my god did you what did donald trump say today or whatever well and we do that every day There, there needs to be that same kind of like self-reflective behavior across many organizations that we just don't have at the moment. Yeah. And one of the most interesting things too, especially coming from Portland, which is a majority white city with a very small minority population, one of the smallest of any metropolitan city in the nation, is that continuously across the board though, the communities that want better policing and better police are ethnic minority communities. Yes. And so it's typically the like far and also even far radical left that want to slash police funding purporting to go and support minority communities when minority communities tend to want better, more accountable policing, but more policing in their neighborhoods to make their neighborhoods safer. So there's a huge disconnect between the like far left activists and the like pretty center I am really uh, minority communities that tend to just want, I mean, more accountable, but better policing in their neighborhoods. They I'm don't want less really cops for the sick. most part. I'm really sick of white people trying to stand up for minorities and doing the exact opposite of what those minority communities oh, actually want. to me, James. I love this. <laughs> As the token minority on this podcast, <laughs> yeah, right, I'm well, taking all go. of this. Thanks, how, buddy. Okay. Well, how do you feel about, how do you feel about the term Latinx? Hate it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> You know why I hate it? How? Why do you hate it? Because one, it's a we've already used the word. It's a bastardization mm-hmm. of the uh, of the Hispanic language in yep. general of, of all of them. It makes no sense. On top of that, too, is a, it's a continuation of cultural imperialism upon the language of yeah. the Hispanic nations. And again, for the record, I'm Mexican American. Just so the listeners know that, in case they don't, people they're not watching, watching on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. And on top of that, too, it's something like 3% of Spanish speakers in the uh, Americas use the term. Like, the vast majority don't like it, and those who have never heard it, and the, and the other vast majority have not ever heard of it. It's ridiculous. 3% u- of, the, of the Latino community use it, and 40%, 4 zero, find it at least somewhat offensive. Yeah. Good use of uh, good use of uh, so analysis. There. You know who uses the term Latinx? Woke white, white people. Yep. Yep. There you go. And a okay. I will say though, like a there's this very 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 small minority of Hispanic folks that are usually of the trans varietal that do prefer the term because they don't like. Gender you know what? Terms. If you, you want to use that okay. term for yourself, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Say, call yourself whatever you want, but, but to impose it upon the culture at large, exactly, is yeah. where I have an issue with. Anyways, I do want to make a point that there are uh, a small trans community of the Latin uh, varietal that do like to use that term for themselves, and I think that's wonderful, and they should be, and that's good. But as a as a non member <laughs> of that community, we should default to what the community calls themselves. I agree. As part the of the majority community. of that community. You're here. That's that's my stance on the issue. 
So I don't Speaking of term. majority of the community, I think we got topic number five coming up. Yeah. I wasn't done with police reform. Well, Xander, what do you have the most notes on since you're the most prepared here? <laughs> what do you want to talk about? <laughs> I just want to talk very briefly about cahoots and Eugene. Please do. Go ahead. Are we familiar with cahoots? Not at uh, all. Explain. I, I am, but yeah, go ahead. Explain to the, to the viewers. Cahoots listener. is a 30-year in the making project out of Eugene, Oregon. They came up with a different model to high, to uh, handling 911 calls. Mm-hmm. Cahoots stands for crisis assistance helping out on the streets. I think I got that right. Something very cool. Um, the idea basically is that the vast majority of 911 calls in any given city, Eugene was there, was the, the model for this, can be handled by people other than police. Mm-hmm. Probably oftentimes should be handled. Yeah. And so just to read you some, ba- some basic stats from uh, the last year, they had a budget that I could read was, I think, 2019. $2 million budget. What they do is they send out an EMT and a mental health counselor to the vast majority of 911 calls because most of them don't need a cop. With their $2 million budget, they saved an annual of $8.5 million a year in public safety and an additional $14 million in ambulance and uh, emergency room costs with a $2 million budget. So again, as rational Republicans, I don't know why we don't go and look at more systems such as this that can save huge costs and also the majority of police shootings that happen in this country up to 50 percent of them happen with people with mental health crises and so if you can send an emt and a mental health counselor instead you Mm -hmm. prevent the ability to have those kind of dangerous situations pop up to police that are not necessarily trained to be able to do deal with these with, with these conflicts and one last point before i let you go james sure um, again, from the 2019, um, Eugene had uh, the uh, the Cahoots program had 24,000 police calls in a year. Do you want to take a guess on how many times cops were needed out of 24,000 calls? Very few. I re- 697. Okay. I mean, it's it's like 1%. I, I forget. I, I've seen that statistic. but Yeah, 150 times. Yeah. Out of 24,000 calls, only... 150 times did these people feel the need to have police backup. And so if you're preventing that many times that cops have to interact, again, I cops are being asked to do too much in this country currently. And I want to say that initially, right off the bat, they're asked to do too much. When you have a Kahoot-style model out of Eugene, I think it alleviates cops to do things that they should be doing more of and not having to deal with things they're not equipped to do. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked with uh, Representative Ron Noble, who is now congressional candidate Ron Noble, and he's a former police chief. And one of the things that he that we talked about a little bit was was this this issue. And he he basically agreed that police have been asked to do way more than what they are trained to do, what they should be doing. And he was all about it. He was all about taking that scope <clears throat> and applying it to uh, giving it to a, a mental health centric organization and uh, the city of portland is actually working on something like that i they think they have a program right now yeah i think it's i think it's a pilot still i, think, yes, I, I don't think it's i think it's started in in full force which i'm not really sure why i guess the the speed of government is just very very slow i feel like you have the model already all you have to do is get some vans with 
a mental health counselor and a and a you know a, a, an EMT, and you just send have them to have nine one one calls. I I don't know. Maybe I'm naive in that I think that this is not something that would take a lot of coordinating. You just have to like do it. Eugene has been but, doing this for thirty years. I know, right? Like you, you have you have the model already. You just have to like check the box and and just like implement it. I don't know why it's taken you know twelve years or however long it's taken for the the Portland. Anyway, we'll get uh, Ted Wheeler as police commissioner. Uh, he is. Yeah, he's there in charge we'll of get the, Ted Wheeler on yeah, someday. There you go. There All right, Wheeler, Wheeler, if you're, Mayor if Wheeler. If you're if you're listening, come on the pod. Like come on the podcast. Actually, Ted, I actually Ted do want to get him on the pod. I, I would love to. I don't, great, I don't know yeah. that um, Mayor Wheeler is is interested in coming on our podcast, yeah, but we'll, we'll work we, on that. We're we're we're, 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 we're good folks. Stocks. We have good whiskey. All right, guys. We we are fairly close to the end. Is there anything else you would like to speak about before we end the podcast? Anything, Xander? You've got like nine pages of notes. What do you, For, you got? What else on there is that we have? We, we, we do have to wrap up. <laughs> Man, I can save this for another episode. We can just cut it here, then we can just start recording another episode after this, and it can be this part of the next episode. Zoom right on in. I got so much stuff on homelessness. I got so much stuff on homelessness, uh, schools, yeah. and COVID. We should uh, have a whole episode on homelessness. Okay, I think that's. I'll save that for later. That's yeah, fine. we got the content. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because that kind of goes into my whole rant about, about Stan Pilliam's stupid idea for homelessness. <laughs> apologies to Stan, friend of the pod. No apologies to Stan. That's a bad <laughs> idea, dude. Your idea is bad, and I hate it. That's tell us what you really think. Uh, it's a bad idea, and I hate it. On that I, note, I was going <laughs> to say to to wrap up the pod for me. I, I do think that they're. Uh, you know, everybody and I, we, you know, this is January 10th that we're recording yep. this. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head the date that the State of the Union is scheduled for, but I, it's always around this time of year that politics watchers always get all excited because Joe Biden's going to get up on a Tuesday night or whatever and people make drinking games for it or whatever. Yeah, but inv- invariably, the, at some point in that speech, there will be the phrase, the state of our union is strong. They will always, mm-hmm. always, always do that. And I feel like one could demonstrably argue that the state of the state of Oregon is not strong. The state of the state of Oregon is floundering is mm-hmm. mediocre. If we're, I think being glass half full, I think there's uh, a lot of problems. I think there's a lot of issues that are not being addressed that are not just politics things, not just Salem things, not just insider baseball things. They affect men and women and children, students, teachers, and workers, firefighters. It's poor leadership. And I think that there are problems. There is no viable solution in sight, nor are there viable leaders in sight. And I this this is if if we were going to to give a grade, the the state of our state is floundering. But I do I believe that there is optimism. Whether you are an R or a D, I do believe that or an voters, I. or an I, uh, unless you're the or Independent Party of Oregon, <laughs> they're a whole nother. They're just D lights. <laughs> but but if you're like a real independent, not an IPO independent, but if you are a if you are a person who is in any way active in your community, a person who goes outside of it, you are seeing some of these problems come to rear their ugly heads and you're waking up to the fact that we can do better. We can ask more of the people whom we elect as our leaders. And we can hold them accountable when they don't reach those goals. And I, 
our uh, primary, D primary, independent prime, what, whatever to whatever level that you're looking to vote for people at, I do think and hope that this will be a year that there comes a, a sea change in a lot of different roles in leadership. And the one thing I will say to that is I do critique a lot of people that are running in the ORP for various offices because I do think that they've been too beholden to our last president to be relevant to our state at large. Mm. However, saying that, though, I think that I would also behoove people to go and look at the fact that this has been a one-party state and a one-party city for the last 30-plus years. Yeah. And ask yourselves, have things gotten better or not? One, and I would hope that we would have more rational Republicans drink, move in there and go and acknowledge the fact that when Republicans used to rule this state with the Mark Hatfields of the world, Tom McCall's. the Tom McCall's, the Vicatias, they were all pretty middle-of-the-road Republicans those mm-hmm. folks, yeah. that were very rational about things. And they recognized the balance between, you know, the economy and the environment. They recognized between, like, you know, uh, social justice rights and, and 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 police accountability. They had all these, like, we, we made the bottle bill, for goodness sake, you know. Like, yeah. like, we pioneered a lot of the most, you know, pro-environment things out there. And we did that as Republicans. And no one thinks of us that way anymore because I don't think anyone's really going that direction. So I would argue if we went back towards the model that we had in like the late 70s to early 80s as Republicans in the state and fought as traditional Oregon Republicans for the things that we used to fight for, that we would give people a better choice as to what to vote for as opposed to the Democrats that I honestly believe have driven this state into the ground for the last 30 years. One of our friends collected a... Mic drop from Sander. One of our one of our friends collected some statements that were made in the Portland mayor's race, not this last time, but the, but six years ago. Jules now? Bailey and Ted Jules Wheeler. Jules Bailey versus, yeah. versus Ted Wheeler. And the comments from both of them were very critical of the direction that the city of Portland were going was going, that things were not going well, and that of course, you know, they were the ones to fix it. Completely ignoring the fact that Democrats have run the city of Portland for 40 plus years. And they were both, you know, Jules Bailey, Democrat, Ted Wheeler, Democrat, and talking about how the Democratic Party has failed the city of Portland and they were the one to fix it. And um, just one of those people went and he did not fix it. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Spoiler well, alert. Because he's continuing the same system. I mean, that's that's the. <laughs> That's the point I'm making. Like, well, that's true. So I, but before we go, keep doing the same thing for 40 years, and 42 is not going to make a no. difference unless you change things. We we always ask who we always ask our, ourselves who who our favorite Republican is as we as we wrap up a show. And mm. I, I at one point or another I think all of us have answered that question on this podcast. So I think is a good question. What is your New Year's resolution for Oregon politics going into 2022? Since it's my question, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in and start. I'll give you guys a second to think about what you're going to say. Mine is to to become more involved in a race for a city council seat. That's a little bit cheating because I think you already know who are. Yes. There's, there's one person in particular that I really like who's running for city council. But I think it's it's important to not just as much and as I like. He's running against John Hardison. He's running. Yeah, all right. Spoiler. All right, but. <laughs> I, I think we get really focused on governor's race and Christine mm-hmm. versus Stan versus Bud versus 
Jessica versus Dallas, if you decide, you know, whoever. And, and then on the Democrats, Tobias and Tina and his Nick. Christoph going to be able to yeah. actually run or what? And I, there's a lot of down ballot races, and this would be my ask for any listeners and or viewer or viewers uh, is find something that gets a little bit less attention. Find something that there's not as many folks paying attention to because that uh, you know, go volunteer for Stan, go volunteer for Christine, go volunteer whatever for governor. But like that's where you can you know. 26 votes in a state house seat or on a school board seat or whatever that's that can make a difference you can text 26 people and ask them to vote for your person and swing an election those are where real real differences can be made you don't have to spend millions of dollars or hours and hours and hours block walking well my my news resolution is to win this race for metro so i kind of figured yours is also pretty pretty easy yeah that's a pretty easy one um and I'm I'm gonna win it, man. Like this this is this is legit. This is this is gonna happen. So Xander, what do you got? Can I be your press spokesman? <laughs> <laughs> and can I go up there with a quarter bourbon in my hand every time I speak to the press? With sure. this, it has to be this amount every time. Oh, a liter a and a half. Liter and a half. <laughs> a and a half. Wow. I mean, if I have to, I will sacrifice uh, my liver for. I mean, James is already drinking out of a nice mustachioed. Glass, which very much, you know, it's, my wife got me that actually. That mirrors, was very funny. Why did she get that from me? I probably because she didn't marry you, but <laughs> you know, I'll ask. <laughs> Rude. Uh, my New Year's resolution for politics this year is to go and put myself back into the MCRP and ORP as much as mm. I used to do about seven or eight years ago. Uh, they kind of hate me, and that's fine. I you know, I embraced. Yeah. I embraced the hatred. It's it's it makes me feel good. It makes no you warm and fuzzy table is well liked, but yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, and I I used to get invited with some other of my more uh, ethnic minority Republican friends to these events because they were like, oh look, they're not white, they're brown, they have, they're young. That's great. And then we would step up to their forums that they would invite us to. And we would not make them very happy afterwards, and they would yell at us a little bit. But we had good things to say, and I'm very proud of what we used to say to them, and we challenged a lot of their beliefs, and I thought it was for the progression of the party in the, mm-hmm. again, in the likes of the Vicatias and the Mark Hatfields mm-hmm. uh, of, of the Oregon Republican politics of yore. And it didn't take too well, and it was funny to see them fight against that because that was the time in which we dominated the state. I've got a whole section on my website about fighting extremism and like basically my my jousting with the Proud Boys. And that is one of the, the things that I am the most proud of is those guys hate me. And I, I love it. Yeah. I, I love that they hate me. And so I think there is there's so much value in providing an alternative narrative to what the the majority even if even if it's a very small group of people the majority thinks in the within the republican party and so i i welcome you coming back to the party and providing your alternative view to the uh to your establishment yeah i mean considering the fact that i almost got the crap kicked out of me on august 22nd by a bunch of the proud boys who were within about yeah. two feet of me with baseball bats and bear mace and screw those guys clubs and they wanted to kick the crap out of me that was like hey, I don't yeah. think that was a badge of honor. Yeah. It's okay. No, it's fun. There it is. All right. Well, you with cowards. That, I think you freaking cowards. 
I think that's a good spot to end it. Um, Xander, again, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me back and feeding me whiskey. Absolutely. And Anytime. listeners and viewer, we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Rational Republican Podcast. Your hosts are James Ball and Nick Perlosky. The show today is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors of Portland, serving the greater Portland metro area for all your garage door installation and repair needs. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at james at jamesaball.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find our episodes at jamesaball.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.